Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. Today, you have the pleasure of listening to Lisa Odenweller. And this is really fun for me to have Lisa on. She's somebody I've actually been watching her story from afar. I don't know Lisa. We just met this morning. We have so much in common. We apparently went to the same school, middle school, high school. And in getting to know her story about how she started uh, Chroma Wellness, which you're going to hear about, and the fundraise that she did. I think we're going to learn a lot. So listen in with me and enjoy this conversation. Lisa, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Nada. Thrilled to be here. For those people who don't know what Chroma Wellness is, why don't you just start with telling us what it is? So Chroma Wellness is a functional nutrition company. I've been in the wellness space for about 13 years, creating healthy products that taste amazing, that help people feel amazing. And Chroma, we launched about 16 months ago. It's online. It's all powder-based nutrition. Mm -hmm. Everything that you can have in the pantry and make a perfect latte, whether it's a matcha latte or a mushroom latte or a, you know, golden milk latte or a bone broth that's powder-based or a beautiful porridge that is super satiating. Um, We have cookie butter and snacks. We have elixirs. So it's 19 products actually that we launched that, are really about just nourishing every moment of your day. Mm -hmm. And we're most known for our five-day reset. Yeah, that five-day reset is that beautiful color wheel package, right? That's what we're known for on Instagram. Yeah, It's a beautiful package because we want... We want health to be something that you look forward to. Mm. And it really feels like a gift to yourself because it is. And so as opposed to you know cleansing, detoxing, resetting, it's something that you dread and have to sort of look at shutting your life down for five days. We want it to look like it's something that you can't wait to do from the moment you get the box and you open it. Right. Well, it does. What did you do before? I'm not going to say chroma specifically, but wellness. It sounds like you've spent this 13 years deep into it. So prior to, well, and even prior to Chroma, I had another wellness company called Beaming. Okay. And I had superfood cafes all over Southern California. I had 10 of them, mostly in Los Angeles. So I've been doing this kind of healthy food thing for Uh quite some time, thus the 13 years ago, and sold that and then started Chroma. Um, Prior to that, I've always been very entrepreneurial, but I'm in my path to getting to sort of wellness specifically is hilarious because my first job out of college was with Nestle selling chili and cheese sauce, which I was horrified by, but also amazing opportunity and a big sure. company, all those sure. things, but always knew like this wasn't my life path. Um, and from there, I worked in the software in- industry during the whole e-commerce heyday and mm-hmm. learned about marketing on the internet and worked at Oracle and Broadvision and other hot companies in the Bay Area. Fast forward, had my first child when I was 26 and really kind of at that point had to do a check-in with what was important to me. How do I be a mom? I was traveling so much for work. And by the time she was four, it was time to sort of slow me down. Yeah. And my husband and I at the time moved to San Diego and thought this was the place that you raise kids. We'll have more children. We did all those things, had two more. But I also was very entrepreneurial and I just, I, I needed to create. Um, I like making money and I like being creative. So at that time, I actually ended up starting an interior design company slash window coverings company to solve the problem of all these new homes in San Diego that needed privacy and also then design. So I did that for many, many years and lots of other dabblings in between just because I can't, that, that entrepreneurial- Can't sit still, yeah. <laughs> but- there was always this burning thing in me of, I know that there's something bigger than I'm supposed to do. And I'm mm. supposed to make 
bigger impact in the world. And this was something that was just burning in me for years and years, even though I didn't know exactly what it was. So it kind of took me multiple pebbles along the way to hit me over the head and said, oh, this is what you're going to do. So I've, I've done a lot of things. I've been a spin instructor, you know, for 20 years. I was one of wow. the spin instructors in the country with Johnny G and health and wellness has always been really important to me, but it, it didn't stand out for me as that was going to be my path until like in my late thirties. So the the podcast is called and our platform is called Liberty Road for the very reason that you just outlined. Like it is a long and winding road. But what's interesting to me and in most of the interviews I've done is that people can reach back and sort of identify these learnings along the way and how they've all been foundational. You talk about your time at Nestle, you talk about your time in tech, and you can probably point back to those things and understand how they helped build your entrepreneurial path. And then of course, your entrepreneurial endeavor with uh, design and window coverings, you know, okay, how do I do this all from scratch? Do you see it that way as well? Do you see them all as stepping stones? Totally. I mean, I think each one I learned so much. I mean, when I was working in the high tech world, I'd have to give a presentation in front of a thousand big five consulting people that were twice my age and talk to them about how do you, you know, right. do marketing on the internet as this, you know, subject matter expert at 23. <laughs> so <laughs> doing that and build a lot of confidence as scary as it was. So yeah, I think every one of them are just stepping stones. I think though, as we as we pay attention in life, there are always messages along mm. the way that are guiding us. Um, and some are more more blatant than others. But um, I think all all paths led to where I am now. And I very much know, you know, where I really hit my sweet spot of sort of purpose in the world outside of being a mom and showing up good in the world was really in my early 40s. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of like, it's never too late. Yeah. Um, I'm turning 52 next week. I feel like I'm 38. Yeah. Because I just have so much energy and so much passion for what I do and how we're contributing to the world and, you know, so much gratitude that I get to do what I do every day. Happy early birthday. My birthday was last week. Another thing we have in common. Capricorn, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. So I'm an Aquarian. Okay. So finally, you, you found something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think about coming into all that in your 40s, why do you think that was the case? What do you think you needed to know about yourself or you needed to learn about the world that made those 40s and now into your 50s um, has made this kind of such a, a sweet time for you as an entrepreneur? That's a really great question. I think there are moments in life. So if I think back to being a mom with young kids, my goal was how do I make the most amount of money with the least amount of time so it could be available for the kids. Yeah. So the goal then was, and that the window coverings design business helped serve that purpose. But as time went on, really wanting to like, how do I make an impact, like a real impact, yeah. you know, be just helping someone make sure they have privacy in their home, which was important. I think also I knew that divorce was imminent. Hmm. So as my marriage went on and seeing that I was going to be on my own, and how am I going to take care of myself? I started to plan for that. I think what was interesting is since I didn't know what that was going to look like, both my career as well as divorce, I just started to like put, I started to invest a lot of time in my own personal development, actually. And I went to life coaching school, not because I wanted to be a life coach per se, but because I knew I needed to do my work on me. Yeah. And um, just started to sort of, read a lot and and like kind of search soul search a lot actually yeah. in preparation for what I knew I was coming what that was coming but I think the wellness side of me was something that was I was born with that growing up in a family that health and wellness was so important but the aha moment came again you know in that, that late 30s I don't know if I answered your question properly but I think it's sometimes we don't get to choose you know exactly what the outcome is sure. but what I love about that is that if we trust the process, we always we always land. You did answer my question, actually, because I think in pointing to, for whatever reason, whatever the pressure point for you was, and it sounded like it was potential divorce and in, in the end divorce, but for each of us, we all have those things. We all have those things that are putting that pressure on us in our life. And I think 
it's what we do with that. How do we sort of take those moments and make them something for good, for our good, for the good of others? And so in, in hearing you talk about that, my hope is our listener can identify what is that for them? What is that for them that will allow them to sort of search inwardly? Because I think we hold our answers. I think they exist within us. And if we're paying attention, we can sort of start to identify them. And it doesn't mean that they're they're fully developed within us, but that those inklings, those beginnings, I think are within us. So you from your family being involved and caring about wellness to the work that you did, even with your restaurants, and then taking it one step further, perhaps chroma wellness wasn't the thing that was exactly what you knew inside of you, but you had that leaning. You, you were listening to yourself and moving in that direction is kind of what I'm hearing as you're unpacking this. Yeah. And I think there's that pressure that we feel like we want it. Cause I know I felt the pressure of like, how do I, how am I going to make an impact in the world? Yeah. I'm not doing what I'm here to do. And it was a very unsettling feeling, but it's not like you just wake up when you're like, Oh, I mean, maybe you do, but this is what I'm going to go do. Sure. I think what it was, was a series of attempts, you know, and trials and putting myself out there and being open to the discovery process. And as unsettled as I feel, I remember I was at this event in New York. This is before beaming, before chroma, my no man's land because yeah. I was no longer, I no longer had a business card. Let me put it that way, mm-hmm. which is very scary for me. I was just mom. I was like, ah. So <laughs> at this entrepreneur event, and I remember somebody asking me what I do. And I remember it was like this panic moment because I couldn't say what I do. And for the first time in my life, I didn't have an identity, you know, in that way, which actually was beautiful because I had to clear the deck to actually allow that next, you know, whatever to happen, sure. kind of clarity to even come in. But I remember it was a good year and a half of really, really unsettled because I so wanted to grab on to, I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to go be that. And I had to keep sitting there going, nope, we're not going to grab on anything. Mm. We're going to sit here in this discomfort and we're going to just listen and observe. And in doing that, I was able to really get the messages like that just kept presenting to myself. And to be honest with you, the the first message that came to me as I embarked on this wellness path is I was at that event that I was just referring to and a woman this woman named Chris Carr, for people who might know yeah, her, I know. Uh-huh. and she's a cancer survivor. She used food to heal. I'd never heard of her at the time. It was just like 13, 14 years ago. It was mm-hmm. a Marie Forleo event. I was going to say, was this a Marie Forleo event? <laughs> yes, it was. Okay. So you exactly what I'm talking about. And I didn't know who she was. And she's like speaking to this audience of about 200 women entrepreneurs. And she's talking about her story and she's so magnetic and she's so vibrant And I remember looking, just listening to her about like taking control over your health and that you have more control over your health than you think you do. And she's like preaching without preaching, you know, and the way she speaks, you can't help but to not like go, wait, this is, I got to listen here. Yeah. I looked at my girlfriend because I was watching the whole room captivated by her. And I said, my God, that woman is beaming. I later named the company that. Oh my gosh. So I didn't know. When I, those words came out of my mouth, what that was, the magnitude of what that meant. So, but by seeing her speak, I then got her book. I started to really absorb food as medicine. Then I enrolled into IIN at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, Mm -hmm. went there, really started to explore further food as medicine, and then had my own sort of health stuff with my family and I. And that then really kind of catapulted me to dive in further. But it just each one of these things was sort of the messenger along the way. Sure. And I think had I not allowed myself to sit in that discomfort for that good year and a half, I wouldn't have even had the awareness to hear the messages. Yeah. So two things I want to say. One is this morning before we hopped on this, I was on Twitter and I got um, something from Simon Sinek. It was, he was doing a quick interview and I don't remember the name of the gentleman he was talking to, but the subject was that in order to ignite creativity, we need to actually be bored. And he talked about sitting on a park bench. He talked about people watching. He talked about, you know, leave your phone behind. It's not scrolling on anything. It's going for a walk. It's finding a way to 
for yourself, essentially, so that when you emerge from that space, your brain is sort of refreshed. It has this sort of empty palette to begin with or canvas. So that was one thing that I think you just hit on that's so important. And then the other thing is, you know, last week I was going for a walk with a friend and she's in this early 50s, actually mid 50s stage. Her last child is leaving this year. And she said, I have to find my passion. I just have to figure out what I'm passionate about. And I said, remove that pressure from yourself and just figure out what you're curious about. Just start there. It's so much pressure to try and identify what am I passionate about and how do I want to sort of be in the world? I think it's much easier to just be like what you did. You dabbled, you used that word. And then slowly you were unpacking what we now know. Hindsight is twenty twenty. We can look back and see how this all came together for you. But it was a conference, a speaker, a book, and then leaning into taking yep. classes and really digging into that. When we talk to our listeners about it's not too late and you can do it, it feels a little bit empty unless they can hear from people like you talking about exactly how you unpacked that and how you did that. So I really appreciate that story. You know, it was so uncomfortable. And as someone who's always been this career woman, and then I was like, nope, I'm not going to do anything. And I was like, ah, and it was, yeah, it was very, very scary. But yes, like you said, hindsight's 2020, like looking back and I'm like, that was such a necessary step to get me to where I am. And then it just allowed, you know, for lack of better words, the portal to open yeah. and more and more of the messages to to present themselves. But I can tell you in that conference, saying the word beaming, uh, going to IIN, all of those things were just the pebbles. And then, then followed by going to a doctor at age 38, going to see my gynecologist for the annual exam. And I was like, hey, like, I don't, I'm gaining weight. I don't feel the same. My hair is falling out. I have no sex drive. I feel really inflamed. I'm a great athlete, but I'm not performing as well. Like just uh, something's not right. Mm. And she laughed at me and she said, oh, honey, welcome to getting older. Yeah. I was 38. And so that was another pebble along the way that I said, no way. Like I'm not settling for getting older at 38. Yeah. And so, you know, it, each one of these things kind of just kept leading me in this direction. And even though I wasn't, I had no attachment to an outcome. I didn't even know what the outcome was going to be that I was going to then become this wellness entrepreneur. It was just leading me there. My daughter being on ADD medication at the age of nine and being so frustrated because I didn't have any other outlets and no one was telling me I had another solution or option besides medication and me learning through this process. Oh, if I remove inflammatory foods like gluten and sugar and dairy, yeah. wheat and processed foods, her brain will function better. Let me try that. And sure enough, it worked. And then she was off medication. Okay. These are really powerful moments. Now I feel like I have to do something with this yeah. because now I've had this transformation within myself, within my family, my children, my daughter specifically. Now I have to tell the world and how am I going to do that? And so that became then the next level of discovery of, okay, well, I could write a book. I could write blogs. What do I do with this? And then I just got in the kitchen. And I thought, okay, let me just make, start making healthy food and we're feeling really good. I'll make it for my friends. And I just started to play again, more and more into this food as medicine. And how do we heal ourselves through food first before we lean on medication? And that became then the birth of beaming. I created a cleanse out of my home with literally with my kids. And I was like, okay, well, everybody's doing these juice cleanses. Yeah. I think that's stupid because it's not really doing anything. And yeah, you might lose a couple pounds, but you feel crummy. Yeah. You're not learning anything. And it's not sustainable. Not sustainable. There's no fat. There's no fiber. There's no protein. Anyway, all the questions are going, right? I'm like starting to challenge this trend that yeah. we think is healthy. I'm like, well, what if there's a better way? I come up with a food cleanse. I'm like, what if we eat real food? What if we have soup and salad and smoothies and juices and snacks? And what if it tastes really good? And what if I make it really culinary forward and something that you look forward to? I create that. I, I launch it out of my home. It becomes really popular. Now it's become this cult followed thing. Everybody wants to be part of it. They all want to try it. Next thing you know, I'm 
you know, making this out of a cupcake kitchen. And now it's this thing where 1200 people want to go through my program. Wow. There's no internet. There's no Instagram. Like there, I mean, there's internet, but like, we don't have a website. Yeah. There's no way to market this. This is just word of mouth happening, you know, basically in the, in the community. So all of those things, again, I still didn't know what I was building. I just knew I have a mission. I have a why Simon Sinek. Yep. So I'm just going to follow that and just trust that it's taking me somewhere. And ultimately it led me to opening the first beaming cafe in Del Mar in December, 2012. I was going through divorce. I had no money. I had three little kids. Oh my gosh. I had no idea what I was doing. I had never worked in a restaurant before. I was not a trained chef. I did not have an MBA. Had no idea how to do any of this. But what I had was this insatiable need to teach people how to take control of their health through food. And I wanted to do it in a way that was sexy and cool and delicious and yummy and speaks to the whole family. And I saw an opportunity that wasn't being done in the way that I thought it could be done to really um, have an impact. But I love that. All of the things that you would have expected me to have and all the people that told me, Lisa, you're not going to pull this off. You're not going to be able to do it. And I'd never raised money before. I had never built a business plan before. Um, I'm not a I'm not an accountant, financial expert by any sure. means, or an operator. But the passion for what I believed in and my why was so strong, I couldn't not do it. Yeah, and you were seeing the the acceptance in your market, like the community was. They wanted it, saying yes, more of this. So at some point, you have this moment, I assume, that's sort of like, okay, I'm actually on to something here. And even if I don't know how to do all those, those things that you just mentioned, I know that I can get there because I've, I have this community that wants this. So we'll just put one foot in front of the other. I had a proof of concept that was validating this idea that what if you could eat this food for five days and feel really good? Would you want to continue? And would it inspire you? And I was like, okay, good. Checkbox. (laughs) Yeah that now how we're going to go do this and actually scale it became the next question. You ended up with how many beamings? I grew it to 10. That's insane. That was through, so the San Diego area, but mainly LA, right? Opened the first one in Del Mar, California, tucked behind McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the irony. (laughs) No foot traffic, nothing. And 10 other juice bars had been in this location and failed. Mm. But what I thought was, no, it was because everyone's like, Lisa, every every juice bar there has failed. Like, this is not going to work. And I said, no, it's the right location. It was the wrong concept. Mine's going to work. And, you know, bought another juice bar out, opened this. That location became the most successful concept of its kind in wow. the country in its first year. Wow. So who knew? We had lines out the door. People were flying from all over the country to figure out what you know, what we had created. Right. They had created this mass, like just cult following. And the success of that location led me to raising about three and a half million dollars um, from people in the community to then go continue to grow it. To do that. Okay. So it's successful. By all accounts, beaming is the thing you were looking for. It's giving you meaning, it's putting wellness out there. You're able to scale it, you've got some money. What then causes you to say, this isn't it? There's something else that ultimately becomes Chroma Wellness. Or was there some other reason? Yeah. So that that led to my darkest years. Hmm. And so here it is. I've built this dream, this company that is changing lives. People are obsessed. We launch it in LA. Two years after I opened the first cafe, we opened three cafes in LA. Wow. Santa Monica, Brentwood, West Hollywood. I don't know LA at all. Right. So I'm like, okay, I got to go figure out LA. We end up becoming the hottest thing in LA. Every celebrity's coming. We're in every magazine in the country. It's such a fun, like, you know, and mind you, I'm still a single mom with three kids going back and forth to LA trying to figure out how to do this. My daughter at the time is 16. She's now homeschooling herself, going back and forth with me, helping me build this and figure this out. It was a crazy, wild, exciting time. And I Mm -hmm. loved this brand so much. People still stop me people every day still say, God, I loved beaming. And they'll tell me what their favorite things were. It was really beautiful and special. Where I messed up is that I had never built a business before. 
And I had never raised money before and I had never had a board before. And so I made all the great first time entrepreneurial mistakes Mm. and I lost control of the company early on. Mm. And so while I built a beautiful brand and the best products and this, this incredible thing that was changing lives, there were some naive mistakes that I made as a first time real big business owner um, that ultimately cost me the company. Mm. And it was a very, very, very tough time. I fought very hard to protect the company. I did not agree with some of the decisions that they were making. And it really just became a very unhealthy place for me to be because it was um, just a it was just a very mismatch between me and the board. One of those things that sadly you can't go to business school for that. Yeah. Uh, I had to just go through it and learn it. And I think coming out of it, it was it was it was a very big loss, but it also was my best teacher because it also forced me to really step back and understand when I walked away, which was not something I wanted to do, to be clear. Like I sure. love this brand so much. I also believe so much in what we were doing and the good of what we were doing. But what it forced me to do was step back and say, how did I get here and how do I never end up here again? So if I'm going to create again, I have got to take full accountability of all that happened so that I can get to the bottom of it so that when I create again, I don't repeat these mistakes again. And I remember someone saying to me when I had beaming was, you'll learn from your first company, you'll make money on your second. Mm. (laughs) And I thought, that's stupid. Like, why does that have to be the case? And not that that's always the case, but, you know, in this case, you know, I certainly hope that the the second one's the the winner, but I think it was such a necessary step in my path. Um, But it also brought me to my knees. I mean, I lost everything financially. I lost my confidence. I questioned everything about like, maybe I'm a one hit wonder. Oh, wow. That was it. That was it. Even though it was like such an incredible brand that again, people are still obsessed with, I hit rock bottom. But that was also such the beautiful time where I did my deep work. I went to Hoffman. I went to, I went to everything to kind of really go into the trenches of my own personal work so that I could come back and, and, and really create again. So it was a necessary step in the process to get me to where I am today. Thank you, first of all, for sharing that. I think, again, it's important for our listeners to hear these stories because for those who've had a story similar to it, whatever it is, whatever roadblock they hit that devastated them, that kind of knocked the wind out of them, I think it's important to hear we're not one-hit wonders. We just aren't. There's so much more ahead of us. What did you do to sort of rebuild yourself emotionally? What did you do to rebuild your confidence? What did you do to scaffold yourself so that you could launch this next iteration, really, of you? Part of it was time. Part of it was time. And I think that going back to what you were saying and part of why I'm sharing it is because whether it's losing a business or a marriage or a job or whatever it is, we all have life has hardships. And so there are those moments where we just doubt everything, you know, and you're on the floor, just like now what? And I think in part of sharing that is just realizing and trusting that this is just a moment in time. Like if just keep getting yourself up and keep moving forward and keep moving forward because you will get to the other side. And that's what I kept doing. But I remember there was a time where I was like, I feel like I'm in a in a dunking machine. Mm. I was getting dunked for 10 seconds. And I was only getting two seconds of air. I mean, it was, and this went on for like a year and a half. It was just like, I wanted to snap my fingers and say, okay, you know, the healing's done now. Can we go create? Yeah. And it was not working that way. It was, nope, you know, we're going to still go through. And I just had to surrender to the process of, it, it was almost like, I have to say like this divine energy was like, and it forced yeah. me to go through this to then be to a point where I could like rebuild. And then at that time, I finally just had to like, I had to fake it till I make it, to be honest with you. There got to a point where I have to just start to create again, even if I don't know what it is that I'm creating. And even if I don't have the confidence. Because I knew not doing that was not going to help. So I got to a point where I had enough kind of enough of me back 
yeah. to then start to create again. So I got back in the kitchen. I started making products again. And the vision for Chroma Wellness really was something that I that always existed with beaming. I mm. just wasn't able to see it through. Chroma is really just what beaming was. It's the same mission. Like, how do I teach people the power of food as medicine? How do I simplify the eating well, feeling good in your body, not have to think about it. Life is complicated. Like we don't need more things to think about. So let me just go make it so easy for you and enjoy right. it all that it's just easily fits into your life. Like that's what I did with beaming. That's exactly what we do with Chroma. Beaming started with a cleanse. Chroma started with a reset. It's it's so parallel, but the delivery system is different because that was, you know, perishable foods, salads and soups and smoothies sure. that you had to go to a cafe for. This one is all powder-based food that I can have in my pantry or I can take on a plane or take to the office and what have you. So it's it's really the same thing. But where I was able to approach it, which becomes kind of this full circle, was obviously now I had a different level of uh, wisdom. Mm -hmm. Experience, sure. Building the business, humility as well. And so when I went to go start Chroma and was raising money for it and putting this idea out there, I was able to do it from a, it was very um, discerning as far as like making sure I was attracting the right people to be involved that were really going to really support what I was creating, but not get in the way of what I was creating. And what's beautiful, I think, about this story is one of the big takeaways is I didn't have a business partner with Beaming. I didn't have an Mm -hmm. operator who's really strong in operations and finance. And that was a big part of the the mistakes that I made. So that was the first thing that I did in creating Chroma was finding that business partner who could be that compliment to me that I'm not good at that, Mm -hmm. but I'm really good at creating products, brand proliferation, creating a brand people love, creating the best products in the market. So I have to go find that person so that we can together, you know, really be an incredible team. So, and then to go forward and and now ending up raising money for Chroma and ending up attracting tons of celebrities and other incredible people into this business, which I need to mention, I didn't know any of them beforehand. So that's a really- wow story. And, and I think that that gets missed is Gwyneth Paltrow, Jessica Seinfeld, yeah. Schumer, Naomi Watts, Kristen Cavallari, um, on and on. The list kind of goes on. Yeah. I, I've read some of the names. I did not know any of them before starting Chroma. I just assumed as you were telling the story, I'm like, oh, so that's how she got to know all these celebrities. They were beaming customers. No. Well, Gwyneth was a beaming customer. That makes sense, right? I didn't know them. Yeah. So I think, again, what I did is I created really amazing products. So starting Chroma, I got in the kitchen, created the reset in the kitchen with my daughter, and then gave it to a few friends. And those friends were like, this is amazing. And then I gave it to a few more friends. And then before you know it, Gwyneth Paltrow heard about it. And she emails me and says, I heard you have a new wellness concept. I'm such a huge fan of yours. I'd love to hear more. Wow. But, you know, imagine getting that email. It was. Yeah. No, (laughs) I'm trying. (laughs) Pretty amazing day. But um, none of these people I knew, I just kept like focused on the mission, the why, Mm -hmm. the belief in what we were doing, getting the proof points back. That's like this program works. This is amazing. I've never felt better. Oh, my God. I lost five pounds and I wasn't starving. I feel so good. I want this all the time okay, this is working. Let's give it to more people. Let's give it to more people. And before you knew it, 130 people had gone through my beta program, most of which ended up investing in the company, many of which were celebrities. Brilliant. That just was a word of mouth thing. Um, 90% funded by women now, the company is, Chroma, which is a of mine. But this was one foot in front of the other. Like by no means, I think on the vision board, I knew that Gwyneth might be involved with my company someday, but like, did I expect to get an email from her? No. And so early on. And so early on. So I share that only just because I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And I will tell you, there were so many scary times, so many scary moments during COVID trying to raise money when everyone's telling you no was not fun. Oh my gosh. It didn't even occur to me that you were raising that during COVID. During COVID. I had emptied my 401k, the little bit of money that I had. Um, There's so many other crazy stories that go with it. And the first check that came to me was on November 3rd, 2020 from the former CEO of Twitter, Dick Costello. Did not know him before, but he had heard about this and he wanted to try it and he fell in love with it. And then he told his friends, it was just this like really amazing sort of just, um, 
trickle effect, but all of those things just kind of like a lot created the snowball that allowed me to bring this to market and having so many amazing people behind me. But I also had had the lessons and learnings from the first time yeah. of how I was going to do it different this time. How did you, with regard to the board specifically, so kind of asking for a friend, but also because I know our listeners who are thinking about any kind of fundraise, whether it's big venture money or small angel friends and family round, how did you create a board? Because many times investors insist on some sort of board at the small level. Of course, at the venture level, they do. But how did you create it knowing what you had gone through before? Like, what were you looking for in putting this board together, you said that you were looking for investors who were about the vision more than the bottom line, right? They understood that. So that sounds like that was a distinction. Yeah. But when forming the board, what were you looking for that you weren't looking for before? What was the mistake that you weren't willing to make again? Well, so my board is myself, my business partner, and one other person. Yes, ma'am. Yep. There's only three of us. We have maintained control we have been given the autonomy and the trust mm-hmm. and we run a very, very well oiled machine. Yeah. So we have the trust from both the investors and the other board member that really let us go do what we need to do, especially at this stage. And I think it's so important, especially early on that the entrepreneur has the autonomy to go um, to, to do what, what they need to do without mm-hmm. having a lot of people in the way. Yeah. But I'm also surrounded by a tremendous amount of support. So if I need help, I can call on the investors. I can ask people for help or advisors or what it might be. And I do that often and ask, you know, for feedback. But we have earned, I guess, the trust um, of our investor community and we continue to um, deliver. And you can give them the transparency that they need in other ways. You don't have to have this board that's sort of reporting back. You don't need a big brother, as it were. Like, I mean, every quarter I send an email I give uh, with an investor update. Um, you know, I'm very communicative and sharing kind of what's going on, not over-communicating and also not yeah. over-asking. So yeah. there's a nice balance there. But the the board, there's only three of us. Eventually, as we go out and do our Series A financing, and we bring in, you know, larger partners. I'm sure those that will change will change. But the way we will approach who we partner with um, will be very. I mean, we're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing us. Absolutely. And you've got the foundation to do that. You've proven who you are and what you're capable of um, in advance of whatever their participation. We all know wellness is such a crowded space. What did you see? Aside from the distinction between juice cleanses don't provide enough protein or fat, good fat, fiber, what did you see was missing in this market that that Chroma Wellness was a solution for? One is I think that so often there's products that have the right ingredients. Um, mm-hmm. And so the integrity is there, but the flavor is not. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then you're sort of gagging it down. Yeah. Um, the other is that they've convinced you that it's really healthy for you. Um, hydration powders that the first ingredient is cane sugar. I won't name them, but there's a lot of them. Yeah. And they're mismarketing. And so it tastes really good because the first ingredient is cane sugar. You don't know that. You think you're drinking something great, but it's actually not good for you. So one of the things that I saw was an opportunity to really elevate the experience so that you match that integrity, the function and flavor. Um, because the two in my mind have always had to coexist. They did with beaming. Yeah. And um, certainly with Chroma, it took us three years to create the products for Chroma. And I handpicked every ingredient and, you know, in the kitchen with my daughter made those products. So the opportunity to really make healthy taste amazing was a big one. The other thing that we've done is I think it's, um, you know, it's such a saturated market. And I think with so many products, it's overwhelming to the consumer. Yeah. So one of the things that we did was by leading with our five day, and creating a program that is, I think, hands down the best program on the market in the sense of just how it makes you feel, how easy it is. It's customizable. You make it work for you. I give you cookie butter. I give you caffeine. Now we give you chocolate. Like what cleanse has that? Yeah. So <laughs> completely like, change the rules of it. Part of that is because I want food to be something you look forward to. And I want being healthy yeah. being something you look forward to, as opposed to it being something that we have to suffer through. Yeah. Uh, really focus on nourishment. 
And I think there's this very old school mentality that to feel and look good in my body, I have to, I have to starve myself or I have to torture yeah. myself. Deplete myself from Deplete anything myself. that is, yeah. And I am much more of the mindset, like, I actually want you to exercise. I definitely want you to show up for work and for your family and for yourself. And the only way I can do that is, is by nourishing you. Because if yeah. I make you feel terrible, you're not going to be able to do anything, those things. And then you actually didn't learn anything. And you can't stick with it, again, to the sustainability. There's no sustainability. And so taking that mindset and mission combined with, I've always believed that the most important part of a cleanse detox reset is the after and that the program itself is the awakening. It's where you get the quick fix. I feel better. I look better fast. Great. We all want to lose a few pounds, but the real transformation happens after. And it's the habits that we keep. It's the changes that we make that we sustain that are going to really lead to that long-term wellness and feeling good in our body. It's not what you do five or 10 or 15 days a year. And so many of the programs out there are these quick fixes, but it's, it, it doesn't actually change anything if you don't change anything. And so the way the program's been designed, which makes it so unique is because I didn't take caffeine away from you. Most people need caffeine. I just gave you a healthier version. I give you a matcha that has collagen and turmeric and ginger and maca and mushrooms and there's here it is <laughs> and you posted about it this morning the yes i did <laughs> which i cannot live without but you get to have yeah. that on a cleanse it's like oh well that's kind of a treat but then if you continue drinking that after because you felt how good it you felt that's a win yeah and and i'm not saying coffee's bad for you but i do know that this one's better sure you know if you're having our broth or a porridge right? And you have our porridge every morning and it's a metabolism booster, but it tastes amazing. And it sustains you for three or four hours instead of skipping breakfast or having a bagel and cream cheese, or you're sick of your eggs every day. What yeah. a great option to start to incorporate into your, your life. And it's easy and it, and it travels with you. Same with our bone broths and our veggie broths, they're powders. You just add hot water. I drink them on the plane. It's the easiest thing in the world. And I feel nourished and satiated and it's gut healing and all of the great things. And I didn't have to think. And so right. even if it's just a couple things that you change that you then incorporate into your everyday life, because we made it so easy for you, those are wins. And then it's the habit stacking because every win leads to the next one, to the next, to the, to the next one. So those are the main ways I think where we've come to market very, very differently than other, um, other products and brands. I think there's a lot of great products and brands sure. market now, which is so great because I'm the first to cheer and champion. Well, and you support each other because you're making the we're market the a, a meaningful together. market. Yeah. Oh, we're on yeah. this initiative. There's a plenty for everyone. I'm also the first one is to call bullshit, you yeah. know, on stuff. And so for me, we really are just are about operating in this high integrity, delivering the best of the best, really creating something that, you know, you you're inspired by. The packaging is inspirational. Like the website is inspirational. I feel like the messaging goes even, like I said, I hadn't done the uh, reset, but I have so many friends that have. And I think some of the appeal initially is just, it's so beautiful and it makes you feel good about yourself before you've actually even tasted anything or done anything. So I think you've extended the mission into the brand really, really well. Thank you. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but in this wheel that that we were talking yeah. about earlier, yeah. there's 45 sachets, right? And each one has a latte or an elixir or porridge or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and then you get the cookie butter. And yeah. every one of those sachets is a different color and they're numbered, yes. right? So day yes. one has nine sachets and they're numbered and, and it's this color wheel and so it's visually appealing, but it's these little subtle nuances. And on the back of every sachet, there's a uh, message of education or inspiration that I personally wrote that is really designed to either educate you about why matcha or bone broth or just some beautiful quote or just a little oh, punch wow. for the day. A lot of people don't see that, but yeah. that's the stuff that like is also so fun for me is how do we gr- create those surprise and delights? You know, that's yes. really just connect us to each other and connect us to ourselves. And that's a lot of what Chrome was doing. And we have new products coming out that are so cool and exciting and will continue to innovate and create products that fit, that just simplify your life 
fit into your day um, anywhere you are and and eventually, and and actually even as it is to the whole family. I mean, kids love porridge, kids love the cookie butter. I'm not sharing my cookie butter. I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> the kids don't get any of my cookie butter. As I hear you talk about the the differences between beaming and chroma and how, you know, if you continued to to be in beaming, chroma would have probably been an outgrowth of that, that you would have come to this at some point because you had mentioned that that was kind of always in your in your mind. But what's interesting is to hear you from a business point of view, to hear you talk about it and you probably consciously or not took all of the learnings from beaming and said, okay, how can I scale beyond 10 locations? How can I create something that has opportunity to scale? Oh, I can create something that I can send to people in the mail. Now it's not just the people in LA you know, or San Diego who can benefit from what I'm creating. And then also the fact that it has this shelf life is really meaningful, right? Another distinction. So I only bring it up so that our listener can look back at their own learnings, their own experience, and think about how to use those things as lessons and make whatever the next iteration of their entrepreneurial thing or whatever it is they're working on, their book, their documentary, whatever they're creating, really lean into their past and find opportunities to sort of up-level and be, you know, be thinking about how it can be better, how I can have more impact or touch more people. It's an important lesson, but it's one I hear over and over in your particular story. And it's actually was part of the story from the beginning was how do we reach mm. people, right? I mean, yeah. it was amazing and it was changing thousands of lives and inspiring thousands of lives. And I knew we had to focus on non-perishables. So I always knew that was the path. Unfortunately, I didn't have the right partners that were in support yeah. of the vision and it wasn't fully articulated like it is now through chroma but yeah. i always knew that the real opportunity both from a business standpoint as well as an impact standpoint was how do we reach more people and get this in the in the hands of as many people as possible and and that's a lot of now our focus around just the education and you sure. know it's not because of the ingredients we use because of the quality of just everything I and mean, we use sustainable packaging you know and that's very expensive. It's all, you know, upcycled materials and all these things where we're, we're really making all those conscious choices for the brand, but that's expensive to us, which also then is expensive to the consumer. Yeah. And the flip side is if your porridge is $3 and 80 cents, you know, what at that cost, it's like, I can't go to Starbucks for that cheap. Yeah. So it's really having that kind of check in with ourselves of like, how much is my health matter? And really being willing to make that investment because we wait, we're so wasteful in other ways, right? And we just don't yeah. even think about it. So I think what we've been able to do in really making healthy, reaching more people, you know, this is just the beginning, I think, of being able to carry forward the vision I had 13 years ago okay. and now really being able to see that through. I never left it, the why has always maintained this the this same. It's nice to hear people talk about their why being consistent when it looks so different along the way. Because again, I think people don't have to abandon their why. There's nothing wrong with your why. It's not the, you know, the location that you took on in the first time. How many uh, unsuccessful juice bars had been there before, but it was really about what it needed to be. And I think that's the same with our why. Hang on to that. Yeah. And the time, the space, the circumstances will come if you're looking for them i always love saying, hard to like this or something better right yeah so it's like it's not it's not having so much attachment to an outcome or to a vision um the mission's always been there that's never changed. Yeah. but how it's going to come to market and and yeah. be open to that i mean i launched chroma with four products four years ago that I pulled two months after I launched them because I realized after I put them to market, all sorts of things, the, the products were great. Nothing was wrong with the products. I realized that the path to build this business was going to be so hard. If I did it that way. So if I did it that way, I literally pulled them, had to tell the first investors, sorry, we're going to disappear for two years. You got to trust me. And yeah. we're going to come back bigger and better than ever, but you just are going to have to trust me and and to take that risk, right? And make that pivot. 
those first four products were necessary for me to get to the momentum that I needed to get the courage and confidence back to then go do this. But I I was on a path. I knew in my heart, I was like, it, it's this, but it's not. And yeah. trusting that and leaning into the, the once that moment of truth hit and I was like, oh, this is what I'm building that I was able to like go all in. Because I think the other thing that's important there is when we know it's it's it, we know it's it. It's sort of mm-hmm. like, like if you It is a lot like dating. That's <laughs> a great a, analogy. Yeah. If I'm justifying if I'm like, you know, talking myself into it. Yeah. Probably not. It's not a hell yeah, it's not. It's 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 a no. Right. Yeah. So I think the same goes for what we're doing and how we're creating the world. If there's so much resistance you know, check in with what the resistance is the resistance coming from your own, you know, insecurities in your own, um, own work, or is it because that's not just, it's not quite right. And you can usually identify the difference if you, if you just spend some time with yourself. I think there's so much wisdom in what you just said that that resistance is, is telling you something. And the reality is when you talk to enough founders, the, the secret sauce came when they, pushed against the resistance and came up with something better. Totally. It's like always whatever it is about their hero product, their bestseller, the the idea that catapulted, they can always tell you there was a moment where it was like we had something else, it wasn't quite right. We iterated, we pivoted, and here we are. When I put those first four products out for Chroma, I wasn't telling the world. I'm a like brand proliferator. Like I tell the world when I'm like so excited yeah. about So you knew somewhere in your heart. You, yeah. I was just like, I didn't want to go to Erewhon and do the tastings. Like I was just like, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling what I know, what I feel when I'm, when I'm all in. What was the product that you felt? Okay. This is prime time. We launched four um, adaptogen super lattes, um, mm-hmm. matcha, the, the spicy fashion. Like we yeah. launched them, but, and so nothing was wrong with the product, but I knew that the vision was bigger, even though I didn't mm. know at the time when we launched them, I just hadn't fully formulated it yet. And so, but what I felt was this resistance in me. It's like, why am I not screaming from the mountaintop? Why am I not telling the world yeah. this exists? And I realized the products were fine. It was the the whole vision had not fully formulated. Yeah. And once it did, then, you know, you know the difference. You just, it's not, yeah. if there's no longer, you're not pushing anymore. Like you're yeah. just, you're expressing, you know, authentically. And there's a very big difference. I don't know if the reset package was the first thing that you launched with, but I that tells such a complete story as a product. It's very easy for us as the consumer to wrap our head around that and then know that more will come from you as a brand, right? We don't see you as... A kind of a single product, we see you as sort of this lifestyle. Which is not easy to do, by the way. We launched with 19 products. So imagine we had the five-day reset and then all the products from the reset are also available for individual products. Yeah. So that is not an easy thing to do. No. I could have pulled this off without the partner, business partner that I have, because it's a very complex operation, but it was a necessary piece, which is why we had to disappear for a couple of years and go build it. It was a necessary piece of really telling the story that was in alignment with my mission and yeah. where I felt I could make the greatest impact. And that's what ultimately you're doing. Your responsibility as the CEO is the the vision of the company and 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 having that belief. And I think to give yourself permission to do that ended up doing your future yes. customer Pretty service scary. and your investor. Yeah. Super scary. Just like Sorry, <laughs> we're going to go away. Yeah, no, I imagine that'd be scary. I just have to tell you, this has been like a mentoring session for me. There's so many things that you're saying that I'm dealing with right now, and I just appreciate it. And I know our listeners, are many of them are in the same boat, or they're hoping to be in this boat. And you're giving them, there's some cautionary tale in there, but I think more than anything, it's very empowering sharing your truth. And, and I always say we're not really helping women if we're not telling them the truth about our own stories. So thank you so much for that, Lisa. Thank you I appreciate for sharing it. that. And I and I also I'll add to that too. If anyone wants to reach out to me through Instagram directly, you can also reach out yeah. to Wellness on Instagram and it'll get to me. Or you can reach out to me at Lisa Odenweller. 
Okay. And we can drop that in later. But if you want to drop any of those messages to me of just questions, if you want to yeah. share any of your personal story, I love hearing them. I did this okay. confidential podcast a couple yeah. weeks ago and so many people shared their stories afterwards and I love it because it feeds my soul and it just helps. Yeah. I think that we all feed off of each other. And so you sharing your story also really helps inspire me. So yeah, I love that listeners as well. What a generous offer. I think whatever lesson you learned, you were probably this way before, but whatever lesson you learned when everything kind of went down with beaming, whatever empathy you built in yourself, it absolutely comes through and it's a gift to so many of us. So that as hard and dark as those days were, they have been a gift of light. So I have to ask you this question because it's so much about our demographic and who we're reaching out to and who we really want to equip with, you know, the inspiration that you can do it, but also the kind of tools, the resources, the wisdom. So what are the tips that you have for our listeners who are over 40 when it comes to starting their own thing and they're just not sure where to begin? What would you want to share with them? And you've actually shared so much already, but if there's anything that you'd like to leave them with. The things first coming to mind, one is we touched on removing the pressure of having to figure it out. Hmm. I think that's going to limit your ability to even receive the messages and that pressure blocks energy. So I think one is, you know, having the intention that you want to, to create or that you really want to, you know, contribute, whatever this is, and then creating momentum. So one is what's the intention, even if you don't have the answers, right. And allowing the opening to happen. And then the other is just the one foot in front of the other, which we talked yeah. a lot about today. Yeah. And just going to a conference, talking to friends, dabbling with things that you're interested in, whatever that might be, that all of those things become messengers. And it's like, here's what I like, here's what I don't like. But you don't always get to decide when the moment of truth is going to hit you. Yeah. And But you have to trust that it will. Uh, as long as you're creating the space and the momentum for that to happen. Thank you for that. I just have to ask you before we go into our fast five, what did launching Chroma Wellness teach you about yourself? I'm going to respond from two places. I remember getting these big name investors, really powerful people, and the former CEO of Twitter and the former CEO of Blue Bottle Coffee and the first check in Peloton and like the celebrities. And I was like, who am I? to have these people like they're trusting me. And I remember having a lot of self doubt and a lot of anxiety, like really, like, am I, do I have what it takes? And fast forward, the answer is absolutely. Hmm. And I think they gave me the mirror for me to see who I am, even if I hadn't seen it yet. Hmm. So I think that's probably the, what I've learned the most is people step in because they believe, right? And I always believed in myself, but I, I think we always have our self-doubts. We always think we're not sure. enough. We always think there's things no matter We're what. human, yeah. We're absolutely. human. I mean, the biggest celebrities in the world feel that way. But I think what where I sit now is just having that confidence um, of just really the mission that we're on, you know, my ability to to lead us. Uh, to attract the right people to help us get there, to be humble enough to know that I don't have all the answers. Yeah. Um, but I think all those things uh, is what sort of launching Chroma and since then has taught me. Thank you, Lisa. So we're not going to let you go until we get through this fast five. What's been a favorite hack or practice that's changed your life in the last few years? I got to say matcha. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. (laughs) I'm sort of a broken record, but matcha changed my life. I mean, it's part of how Chroma started and it changed my mood. It helped me focus. It helped my skin. It helped my overall disposition and not having the anxiety and irritability that coffee was creating. So this simple act of having my morning beauty matcha has been transformative. I cannot not have it. Okay, we'll make sure that's not only in the um, show notes, but we'll have a direct link to the matcha. And you already held up the jar. And I already held it up. I've got it right here. And then what's a book that maybe you've been reading or have been recommending to friends lately that really hits, you think, this kind of 40 plus woman? 
Well, I can't say it's a <laughs> book about hitting the 40 plus woman. I have so many different books going right now. The one yeah. that's sitting on my nightstand right now yeah. is The Mastery of Love. Yeah. <laughs> and just because it's like, it's just one of those really great references. It's like the untethered soul, right? Yeah. I mean, mm. any one of those are always just so great to go back to. There's always such great messages in it. So I don't think it's a 40s. 50s, 30s thing. Right. <laughs> it's just getting back to the basics and really being connected and in alignment, you know, with ourselves. Well, I think we can say that the, the 40 plus woman probably should have it because I think we we take for granted that we know a lot of these things, that we've already understood these things. And to be a a, a constant learner is really important. So we'll take we'll take that. We'll take that advice. And also if you're married, if you're not married, yeah. There's always yeah. opportunity to continue to enrich and nourish the relationship that you're in or become better attractors for what you want. So apparently that's the book my nights did. <laughs> I love it. We'll have to do a podcast in a few years and see see <laughs> see how that's all worked out. <laughs> and then What's one piece of advice that you'd love to give our listeners or any woman over 40 about launching her own venture? That you don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. We put so much pressure on ourselves that we have to have all these different credentials or we have to have this experience um, or we have to have it all figured out and perfected. And the answer is you don't. And hopefully my story today is a great testament to that. You just have to put one foot in front of the other. Amen. And keep waking up every day, you know, with, with some sort of passion towards something. And then if you were mentoring your younger self, and you mentioned that you have a 25 year old daughter, so you could keep her in mind, what do you want her to know? Or what, what would you have told yourself about midlife, about this season? There's a piece that I have in the lightness. I would say I used to probably be you know, a lot more insecure, a lot more critical. Mm. And the joy I have found in life by just everyone's doing the best that they can with what they've got in that moment. And having that same, you know, forgiveness and compassion for myself as I do for others has brought so much joy to how I experience life Mm. and so much less judgment to the to to others which also means less judgment on myself yeah and whether it's listening to myself on a podcast and you're like oh my god did i say that (laughs) (laughs) but also being able to just be like we're human and they're human and i don't know the freedom that i have found that acceptance yeah i don't know maybe the greatest wisdom that i've gained as i've gotten older and i i wish wish i'd had that then but part of it you just have to go through it to get to you know I don't think it's something that when someone can teach you, you just sort of learn along the way. It sounds like you're describing grace. And I would say, if we knew it then, then what's the value of now? Like, that's one of the beautiful things about this, this now stage that we're in this, this present stage is that it is new. It is, it is evolving. We're not, we're not stuck. You know, you, you mentioned earlier being 38 in your mind and it's like, it's great to feel the energy of 38. But man, the 52-year-old Lisa is so cool. The wisdom today, you know, as a 38-year-old, but I still think I'm 38. And the energy and the the excitement for life and all that it holds. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And last question, you know, this podcast is called Liberty Road. So we have to ask this question. How has Chroma liberated you? What's coming to mind is it's shown me who I am Mm. and been such an opportunity for me to really to express myself authentically in a way that because I've surrounded myself with people who do so many other things better than I do, mm. I'm allowed to really do what I do really, really well. And, and because I can do that, I can lean more and more into that and, and actually enjoy what I do yeah. every day. Not because it's easy, yeah. but because I'm able to I trust everybody else around me And then that frees me up to contribute in the ways that I can best do both for myself and and for others. So what a lovely answer and what a lovely time we've had with you. Thank you for, again, your honesty, your willingness to spend 
a whole hour with us. I so appreciate it. I know our listeners will. And also for extending yourself to to me and to them. We will absolutely be taking you up on that. Be aware, uh, be warned, I should say. Your DM, I, so. I think, will blow up. Yeah. I wouldn't have offered if I didn't genuinely mean it. It means a lot to me. So please feel free to share your stories. And I'm the one that responds. So it's me. That's uh, amazing. And thank you for the opportunity to share. Absolutely. And Liberty listeners, thank you guys for spending this hour with us. And I hope you'll take advantage of reaching out to Lisa and to checking out Chroma Wellness. Goodbye for now. Take care. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, Please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flower.